Well, you'll notice um, we're going to be celebrating communion. So if you're watching online, maybe you want to go grab some bread and some juice and be ready after the sermon for, to move into that, that movement. And so we're, we're moving through the book of Acts. And, and today, of course, the theme we're talking about is, is restoration. It's this serendipitous encounter in the Temple Mount, a region of Jerusalem, between the apostles and a man begging for alms. Every day, I mean, it tells us that this man is broad and placed and, and he's looking for a handout. You see what it says there in Acts chapter 3, verse 1. And two, it kind of sets the stage for the story, Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time for prayer at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It says in verse 2, a man lame from birth was being carried up who was placed at the temple gate called the beautiful gate every day so that he could beg for money from those going into the temple courts. Peter and John and the beggar. Notice the apostles are going to a prominent place at a prominent time to, to pray. They're, 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 despite the fact that they're followers of Jesus and believers in, in him as Christ and Lord, they're still engaged in, in worship with the Jewish community and seeking to share this good news, which we'll find out later, not today. But, but this first story includes these two, these, these two prominent characters, Peter and John on one side, and then the... The beggar. The best that they could do for this guy was to set him up by the gates with the hope that someone would throw a couple of pennies in there. Penny is a one cent coin they used to have in, in circulation. Now it would be a nickel, a dime, if you're lucky, a loony or a toony. Maybe someone especially generous might even put a folded bill in there, but that's the best they could do for him. I have a little picture here just, just to kind of give you a, a sense of, of what, I don't know if you can tell, but on the bottom there, it, it shows these two big squares. The little square is an American football field. You see, the temple was a huge area. And then we'll go to the next picture. You see, this is a, just an artist's reconstruction. There's the gate at the front there. That would have been the gate most likely that he was sitting at, the beautiful gate. Uh, Luke makes a special mention. Why would he mention the beautiful gate? I mean, probably, I mean, some estimates, this, this seems to be a bit, bit over, over, overdone. Josephus often did this. But like some estimates were 75 foot high, Corinthian bronze, the beautiful gate. It enabled you to go into the place of worship the court of the Gentiles, the court of the Jewish women, the court of the Jewish men, and so on and so forth. But for a cripple, never was he allowed in there. That's as far as he could go. He sat in the shadow of this immense gate. The estimates and the, the historical accounts say it took 20 Man, 20 men to close these gates at night. They were so large and, and imposing and, and magnificent. And all he could do was sit outside and ask for a handout. The disabled in that culture were, you know, often viewed as sort of, well, that was your lot in life, or maybe God was judging you for something you did or your parents did. Devalued. Uh, dishonored, sort of a forgotten shadow, and, 
And all that they could do for him was just carry him to the gate, carry him home, carry him to the gate, carry him home. Maybe he would get enough pennies, coins, to cover the cost of his own bread at home. And, and that was the hope. That was his life. He had no idea that on this day, he would meet someone that could actually help him, could actually make a difference in his life. But you know, just before we go further, I think this is a picture of religion, right? This is, this is what religion offers you. You sit at the gate and you wonder if you'll ever get in there. You wonder what it's like in there. You wonder if you'll ever measure up to be good enough to, to kind of get into the, to the inner parts there. And, and, and there he is. He's, he's never seen back beyond those gates and he's just asking for, for handouts. His legs don't work. Everyone knows him as the cripple and he's just hoping that, that devout worshipers will just throw something in there for him. Every day, he went. It says in verse 3, when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple courts, he asked them for money. Hey guys, alms, alms, alms for the poor? Would, would you help me? And unfortunately, they had very bad news for him. See that in verse 4? It says, Peter and looked directly at him and said, look at us. And so the lame man paid attention to them, expecting to receive something from them. Look at us. You know how it is. Um, when you see someone asking for money, the last thing you want to do is stare at them or make eye contact with them, right? You, you walk by a little bit faster, right? I mean, let's just be honest, right? I mean, I was just driving two weeks ago in Calgary, and I was coming down to the spot. It was an underpass and made one of the major roads there. And sure enough, there's someone sitting there with a cardboard sign, right? And I was just hoping that the light would stay green so I wouldn't have to stop there. You know that feeling, right? You know? And, but these guys, they stop and they say, look at us. They pay attention. They, they acknowledge him. In other cultures, you will find a lot more beggars. I can remember being in Moscow in front of a church. There was this woman, emaciated, lying on her face on this mat with a little can out in front of her. Didn't even lift up her face. She wouldn't even look at people, but just anyone, you know, hoping that the worshipers coming to the Orthodox Church would just throw a couple of rubles in there for her. And I just, I could still see her in my head. And the people I'm with just keep walking. Don't stop. You know, we don't know if, if she's real or not. I'm like, I'm like, this bothers me. But everyone else just kind of went by, threw a couple of coins in there and just kept moving on. But Peter and John stopped and said, look at us. And then they give him the bad news, verse 6. <laughs> Peter said, I have no silver or gold. Now that's disappointing, right? here. You're sitting there, you're hoping that maybe these guys are going to put a little bigger chunk in there, maybe a, a gold coin or a silver coin, but like, we don't have any of that stuff for you. And they're like, oh, well, why are you asking me to look at you? Because there's other people here, and maybe someone else has got something for me. But they say to him, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, stand up and I mean, just who do these guys think they are? Offering this guy that kind of hope. I mean, he's just looking for pennies. And they're offering him something way bigger. 
a return to life. And it says there in, sorry, in verse 6, I have a picture here, <laughs> silver and gold. Sometimes we think that money can solve our problems. Or sometimes we think that, you know, I just, if I just give some money, then, then, then I don't have to worry about whatever else is going on there, right? If I just throw in a couple of pennies and keep walking, I've done my due diligence. But Peter and John, we've got a bigger mandate. We've been commissioned to, to share the story of Jesus and to bring his life-changing message of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus Christ, into people's lives. And so here we are, and, and we've encountered a guy who needs help. We're going to give him what he really needs, not, not this but something more significant. And in verse 7, it says there, Peter took hold of him by the right hand and raised him up, and at once the man's feet and ankles were made strong. So I have a picture here. Here's, here's Peter reaching down. The man's grabbing onto him. This is his act of faith. To reach up and grab Peter's hand, that, that's the moment where he's saying, yes, I believe this. And in that moment... Jesus does what no one else could do. Our best efforts were this. Pennies, nickels, dimes. Maybe a loony or toonie. But Jesus, through his servants, meets that man in that moment, in that grip, and lifts him up. And suddenly, it, something just miraculous happens. You can imagine, you guys are in the medical community, you understand. I mean, you, you've studied the... the the multiple ligaments that surround the ankle bone and the, the, the Achilles tendon, all that stuff which would have been atrophied. It would have been shriveled up. It would have been absolutely useless because of it's never been used or stretched or developed. Suddenly they have elasticity and power and strength and he's getting up. Verse 8, it says, he jumped up. <laughs> stood and began walking around and he entered the temple courts with them, walking and leaping and praising God. If you've ever been through an injury, uh, many of you guys in sports or even at work, you know, you've rolled an ankle or you've blown a knee. I mean, you know that as you recover, it takes a long time and you're using, you know, a cane, crutches, you know, walker, you're, you're going to the physiotherapist, you're going to the occupational therapist, you're doing stretching exercises and you're not walking and leaping. You're, 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 you're creeping and you're, you're crawling and you're, you're barely, you know, it takes time. But this guy, he, he, short, he jumps over the physiotherapist and the occupational therapist and, the, you know, the therapy rooms. I mean, and suddenly he's, just, he's, he's in the temple walking and leaping and praising God. The gates, which had always been a reminder of his disability, were now open to him. He could walk. And the first place that he goes is to praise God to pray with the other worshipers, to give God the glory for what had just happened in his life. We used to sing that song, you know, uh, you know, walking and leaping. I mean, you know, jump around like little deer, you know, that's you know, when we were kids, and that, that was, you know, sort of a fun little song. But, I mean, this is literally what's happening here. He's walking and leaping and praising God. You can just imagine this is not very dignified, but he can't help it. It says in verse 9, all the people saw him walking and praising God. And I have a little picture here. 
There he is. Woo! <laughs> Having a good time. You know, it's like, what is this guy doing? Something has happened to him. And it says in verse 10, and they recognized him as the man who used to sit and ask for donations at the beautiful gate of the temple. Is this the beggar? Is, it, is this that guy with the cardboard sign? What is going on? And it says, and they were filled with astonishment and amazement at what had happened to him. Wow. We could carry him. We could hand him his can. We could throw a few coins in to get him started. That's all we could do. But somehow, Jesus Christ did something that none of us were able to do. He healed him. Now, I think Luke is writing this story not just to tell you that Jesus can heal people physically, which is true. But there's a deeper meaning here. I think Luke is writing to Theophilus to say, you know what, we're all beggars sitting outside the gate asking for coins. None of us are moving forward in our lives because of our sinful condition, and, and we're crippled. And the world looks at us, and, and all they can throw is pennies into our, into our can. That's all they can offer us. But when this man encounters Jesus Christ, he is set free. And his life begins, and he begins walking. And throughout the New Testament, that term is, is used to describe the person's faith journey. It's this walk. It, it's you moving up and out, moving forward with Jesus Christ. That you and I are just in the same condition spiritually as this man was physically. But through Jesus Christ, faith in him, he begins to walk. They're astonished. You know, Luke would use this term in his gospel as well as Mark when they're describing the miracles of Jesus. When Jairus comes and asks about his daughter who's sick and, and, and Jesus is like, yeah, I'll come. And on the way, he gets interrupted by this lady who's got this hemorrhaging issue and he heals her. And by the time he gets back on the track to, to heal Jairus' daughter, someone shows up and says, oh, Jairus, your daughter's dead. Leave the teacher alone. And he's like, oh, no. And Jesus is like, don't worry. I got this. He shows up in the house and kicks everyone out and he raises up the little girl and it says they were astonished and amazed that Jesus could do this. Luke would write in his gospel to Theophilus about the man that carried their paralyzed friend. Paralyzed friend, remember? Same kind of thing. They open up the roof of this house and drop him in front of Jesus because they can't even get to Jesus. They want to bring this man to Jesus. And Jesus, the first thing he says to him is your sins are forgiven. And they're like, what's going on? I mean, don't you see the big issue here, Jesus? No, Jesus saw the bigger issue. It wasn't the crippling of his physical body. It was the crippling of his soul. He forgives him first. He's like, and by the way, just so you know that I have the authority to do this, take, get up, take up your mat and walk. And the guy gets up in the same way this guy did. Ligaments restored, tendons restored, muscle, you know, electricity, just nerves, everything functioning at full capacity, carries his mat out of there. And like, what's going on? They're astonished. Astonishment is not the same as faith, however, in the New Testament. It's amazement. It's like, wow. But what Luke 
And what the Bible and what God wants you and I to do is to move from wow to worship. To just don't, don't say, wow, this is amazing, but to say, wow, and now give glory to God. The first reality is this. If you're still begging, if you're still trying to make God happy or try to earn your, you know, earn your own keep kind of thing, it, it's, it never works. Jesus offers you a way out of that. Through his death on the cross, his resurrection, he creates a way for us to move up and out in new life. Secondly, having done that, we offer people more than pennies when we bring them into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's why when you receive Christ, you're given the Holy Spirit so that you don't have to throw pennies anymore, but you can extend your right hand and say, I can offer you something even better, Jesus Christ. And that's what Luke wants his readers and, and the readers today to understand is that we don't serve this anymore. But we have a life-changing message to share. That we don't have to live as cripples. But we can live in the temple with God's people, part of his family. So that's the reality. And so today we come to the communion table to celebrate the fact that we're no longer sitting on the outside. That we've laid our cans aside and now we've received. We're sitting at the king's table. We are part of his family. We have received his forgiveness. We have been brought into an eternal relationship. We have the resources from heaven, the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we, we're walking in this newness. And this reminds us of, 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 you know, the world offers this. But Jesus offers so much more, his own life for us. And so I'm going to invite you today, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, to join me as we remember that our lives have turned from, from wow into worship and that, that God is moving up and out through us as we share this life-transforming message with our community, with our friends at school, with our coworkers, with our family members. You don't need to carry the tin any longer. Christ has set us free from this. The crutches are gone. The gates are open. We can walk in newness of life. And this is a message we have to share, right? You're like, because you know what? The problem is we can't fix all the problems in the world. But the eternal issues are one thing that we can offer to everyone. If you've ever been to the third world and, and worked, you, you just know, even to talk to Sandy, I mean, she's like, they're making a dent, but I'm sure they feel like, man, there are so many more that, that could, be, could be helped. And, and like, it's just like, how, how do we help them all? We'll just help the ones we can, and hopefully God will help the rest. But, but, but this is the truth. What life-changing message of Jesus can be offered to everyone. That's what we're here to do. But today we're celebrating the fact that we no longer are crippled on the outside, trying to just eke our own existence out with pennies and nickels and dimes. But we've been brought into God's family through Christ's death, and we celebrate that today. So if you believe that today, join me. If you're, if you're still on a journey, you're like, I'm not sure, I am, just, 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 you know, that's fine, just sit and watch, that's okay. But we're going to celebrate communion. I'm going to invite Ben up here, he's going to just play some songs, and um, we've been doing this the last little while, we're going to continue this tradition of, of you just coming forward to receive the, the elements and uh, 
Pastor Elijah and Julio were going to be out here giving out bread. There is a gluten-free option. So you'll come up the sides. You'll grab your cup off the stage here. You'll come to the middle. Julio and, and Elijah will be here with, with uh, um, a tray, and, um, and they'll hand you the bread, and you can just return to your seats and wait till everyone's received, and then we'll partake together as we just focus and, and, and remember what Christ has done. If you're not comfortable coming forward, we do have uh, a thing at the back there. Someone will be circulating around, and you can just kind of raise your hand, and they'll, they'll distribute uh, an individual one that has it's pre-wrapped, and so you don't have to get up. That's fine. Henry will be circulating around with the little, little bowl full of uh, those ones as well. And so uh, as we prepare to take up communion, would you just join me in prayer and just... Uh, it's a time to just remember where we came from and where God has taken us. It's a time to confess our sins and to just renew that reality of connection with God. Lord, forgive us all the things that we've done this last week or month. The thoughts that weren't in alignment with your will, the moments of anger, the bitterness, the, the gossip, the lust, the greed, Lord, the selfishness that just wells its ugly head in our lives. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us where we picked up the tin can and, and resorted back to begging when we didn't need to beg because we're your children. And we come to this table now just to be renewed, to be reminded, to be refreshed of who we are and what you've asked us to do. And so, we, we, we participate in this moment of worship for your glory and your honor. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle Paul would say, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread and he gave thanks. Would you join me as we give thanks for this bread? Thank you, O Lord, for this bread which reminds us of the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He died in our place so that through him we might have the righteousness of God in our lives. That we could give up begging and be welcomed into the eternal family of God through his sacrifice, through his death. That he is our perfect substitute. And so we partake of this with great appreciation and thanksgiving. Our souls walk and leap and praise you for what you've done for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. He says... And after taking the bread, he gave thanks and broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the bread together. Let's give thanks for the cup. We thank you, O Lord, for these cups which remind us the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. His life was poured out so that we could have life. And we are in this room today forgiven because of his sacrifice on the cross. He paid the price. And this juice reminds us that we are forgiven, adopted, accepted in him through his death for us. Thank you, Lord. You are so good to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. He says, he took the cup after supper. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this every time you drink it in remembrance of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink the cup, 
You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Until he comes, let's remember. Mexico. I know they've had teams from Lloyd go down there before. You'd like to be part of that. Just talk to Sandy. And, um, it's just neat even how their mission group also ministered to Ukrainian refugees. I mean, just the way the, the body works and how we can just continue to pour out ourselves for Jesus and his name. And so you can be used this week. In your day-to-day goings, God is prepared to work in and through you. Just be available to that. Peter and John, I don't think, expected this. And what, what happened was just an amazing miracle to God's glory through Jesus Christ. The same spirit that dwelt in them dwells in you. The same person who has saved you has saved them. You have that same potential. Go with God's grace. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Everybody said? Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.